The Irish are a nation of storytellers. Our stories are embedded in us and in our landscape. Welcome to Tales and Trails podcast in partnership with Discover Ireland, a brand new and immersive audio experience that invites you to walk the Irish countryside with us. Today I'll be joined by podcaster Georgie Crawford on the Wild Atlantic Way. In 2017, Georgie was diagnosed with breast cancer, just six months after having her first baby, changing her life forever. But Georgie turned her personal nightmare into an incredibly positive story that has reached over 1 million people on her podcast, The Good Glow. She is now a beacon of self-care and wellness, inspiring her listeners to make the most out of family life and the smaller moments that really matter. Georgie and I will take on the Loch Ski Loop in County Sligo today, a walk that is remote, exposed and strikingly beautiful. This six kilometre loop takes about two hours to complete in full, and certain stretches get soft and boggy, so it's definitely recommended you wear good walking boots and pack rain gear and plenty of water. Our walk today starts at the Loch Eastie Car Park, where you'll find a map board that marks the trailhead. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails hub on Loven.e to plan your break in County Sligo, where we've highlighted all the best accommodation, restaurants and things to do in the area. So we are on what feels like one of the most remote walks in Ireland, here in the Wild Atlantic Way. We're taking on the Loch Eastie loop today. Georgie, how are you feeling? Oh, it's just so good to be here and just, I suppose, be in such a beautiful setting and get out into the fresh air. You can't deny kind of how good it makes you feel. It makes you feel so good. And we've got absolutely stunning views. Even the get-go, we're completely surrounded by the Ox Mountains. So actually, everywhere you look here, you're surrounded by the Ox Mountains. And gorgeous, and the water and the sheep, and it's just so beautiful. There's lovely. And you've got your proper attire on. You've got your... Your runner's on ready for whatever terrain we come against. Yeah, I'm a little bit scared where you're bringing me, but uh, I trust. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, we're in for a treat. Yeah, you can trust me. You can trust me. Do you get out much? Walking you know what? Um, we bought a house kind of at the foot of the Dublin mountains about uh, nearly two years ago now. And you can come out of our house and, and walk up to the lead mines. So every Sunday now, Myself and my husband Jamie and our baby Pia, she's two. We try to get out and uh, do a hike on a, on a Sunday. And so we go up and we bring a few biscuits for Pia and she gets into this uh, backpack that Jamie has <laughs> and he carries her up the, the, the mountain. And um, yeah, it's, it's so beautiful to have that on your doorstep. Now, before I got sick, <laughs> I, you would never really find me in the mountains, but now I suppose as, as your life progresses and you learn hard lessons, you kind of stop to appreciate the finer things. I'll let you take your, go over this first, take a step okay. over this little, step little over style. Step over And I'm over, I'm safe. <laughs> um, and have you like, like as you, since you got sick, have you incorporated into your life more to, to feel better for mental health, for? Yeah, like I couldn't, well, when I was going through chemotherapy, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in October 2017 and I went into a few surgeries where I, I couldn't really get out much but um, when I was in the middle of chemotherapy I didn't have much energy Watch your step. but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would make sure to get out like I had a, a one-year-old you know I had to bring her out every day uh, it was in the middle of that really hot summer last year so I'd make sure to get out for a walk with her every morning at around 10 o'clock and my mum would come with me. And I, every day I felt better after it. So to see those results firsthand, um, and often my mum would feel better because she was struggling too and Pia would be in a better mood. So ever since then, I've made it 
my business, I suppose, to get out into nature before. If I ever exercised, it would have been in a gym or indoors. Not necessarily for the same reasons, it is more yeah. to clear the head and feel. And, and now it's, it's to get out and see the trees and, you know, uh, challenge myself. It's, it's, it does so much for me physically and mentally. It helps a lot. For people who don't know, I thought about you being sick. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the moment that pretty much changed your life yeah. forever? It was uh, October 5th. It was half one in the morning and I'd been feeling really tired that week. My baby was seven months old, so she was still waking up for night feeds. I just finished breastfeeding. So uh, that night I said to Jamie, like, I feel really tired. Would you mind doing the night feed? Um, I was still on maternity leave. I was due to go back to work the following week. And he said, yeah, no problem, of course. So he did the night feed, but I woke up when he was putting her back into the crib, which was beside my bed. And I just leaned over her crib and my hand just fell against my right breast. And I felt this lump that obviously I'd never had and my breast or never knew was there. And it was so hard, Alan, that I was like, oh my God. And in that moment, I just felt like that was it. My life had changed forever. I just had a really bad feeling and within a week I was, I was diagnosed with cancer. So it was such a shock. Um, what did you do when you first found it? What was, obviously it was massive. <laughs> the well, the first, uh, you know what? It was the waiting to be told that I had cancer, which was worse than actually being told I had it because your mind runs away with you. But when I was brought into the room in Bowman Hospital by my surgeon and he explained to me that, yes, I did have cancer. He was also very reassuring. So I think that was, day one of the strength and positivity um so it was definitely the waiting that was so the, the time before it when yeah. you didn't really know what was going on yeah like two days after i found my lump what was I, yeah, what's your uh, immediate plan then when you when you found the lump where did you go went to the gp first thing the next morning she said yeah this is a bit weird uh, i'm going to refer you to a breast clinic and you'll be seen too in maybe a couple of weeks couple of weeks yeah and I was like oh my god I can't wait a couple of more minutes so I went home from the GPs and I rang every hospital in Dublin and my last call was to Bowman Hospital like everyone was saying the same thing oh you won't get in for a couple of weeks and I rang Bowman and they said we have an appointment at 9 20 tomorrow morning will you come in so of course I did. Anything. It was the day of the Radio Awards. Oh really? I was supposed to be going to the Radio Awards. It was supposed to be my first night kind of back after back having a baby, baby, you know. Everyone was probably buzzing to see you and yeah. getting back in. Uh, I, I rang the girls who were on the way to the Radio Awards and I said, guys, I found this lump. And oh, you told them, did you? Yeah. Like everyone was so reassuring. Oh, listen, you were breastfeeding or, you know, that's normal. But I knew. I knew it was. You wasn't. just had a good feeling. Yeah. I, and, and that's what I needed from my family. On the Saturday night, I put Pia to bed and I collapsed in my hall and I was on my hands and knees, like screaming, you know, in, with fear that I was going to die. And 
Jamie rang my mum and his sister and they ran, ran up to the house and I remember I was just in a complete panic and I kept saying to them, you know, I know that I have cancer, I know that I have it. And they were like, no, you don't, no, you don't. But after half an hour, they acknowledged how I was feeling, which meant so much to me. So they were, it went from, you don't have cancer to, okay, if you have cancer, we're going to get it sorted. Which, which is a lot better for you to deal yes, with. Anyway. And they're only trying to help at the start. They're only saying yes. if you don't, but in your head, it's like, just understand me a little bit. Is that yeah, what it felt like? like I just wanted people to acknowledge what my gut was telling me. And ever since that day, my gut has been right about everything. My gut was told me my cancer hadn't spread. My gut told me that my ovaries would survive the chemotherapy, even though we did IVF just in case. So one thing I have really learned from it is to trust my trust gut, your gut and don't ignore weird things on your body. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good advice. <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> and like during that, I suppose like that time, as you said, is the hardest. Like, what are you? What are you feeling? Are you feeling completely lost? Are you? Definitely. You went to Bowman, you got the test done, but you still have to wait further to get results. So yeah, uh, it that? was survival. It was never i was never left alone my mum and jamie were tag teaming so he'd go to work and my mum would arrive i and it was only after about four or five days that i realized i wasn't on my own and um i was i was do you know what i was really worried about people finding out that i had cancer and i didn't want people to say oh my god poor georgie i can't believe this has happened to her and my brother came up one night and I was lying on the couch and I was like I can't do this like why did this happen to me I'm not strong enough I don't want people to feel sorry for me and to say oh my god did you hear about Georgie it's all sympathy and he said people are going to say that <laughs> and that's just a fact people will talk about you and I said, okay, and he goes, but in a year's time, people will say, did you hear about Georgie? She beat cancer. And that gave me so much. The day that I found out my cancer hadn't spread was the greatest day. And myself and Jamie sat on the couch and I came across that Tony Robbins documentary on Netflix and he's a motivational speaker in America. And I watched the whole thing and I was blown away by it. And at the very last scene, he says, life doesn't happen to you, life happens for you. And that was the day that I found out my cancer hadn't spread. And I said, this is not a coincidence that I have watched this today. And ever since then, before all my surgeries in chemo, I just sit there, close my eyes and repeat that phrase, life doesn't happen to you, life happens for you and it got me through the darkest days. It gave you so much strength. Yeah. And, uh, how, obviously they were so important, but how important were your family and friends during that time? Because you said like you weren't left alone for four or five days or long, but you, and even your brother's words there, how important was that for you in that time to get through? Like my life didn't just stop, everyone's life stopped. My family, my in-laws, everyone just rallied around me and I felt like I was being carried by them. So. It took me about seven or eight weeks of just my family knowing to kind of get my head around it. 
my mum was there every day. My brothers would come up and play with Pia, my stepdad, my own dad. Like everyone was just supporting me. And um, it was, yeah, I, I, you, you, you can't do it alone. Yeah. But it's also very important to accept help because I knew that I wasn't strong enough to look after Pia all by myself or make the dinner. So a part of you has to surrender and say, and let people in, which can be hard to do when, when you're sick because you want to be strong and you want to prove to people that you're okay and you're capable. Yeah, you nearly want to, you don't want to accept it really. You're like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm yeah. glad I can do this. But I learned very quickly that I couldn't. And I'd often say to my, my mum always kind of knew when I wasn't okay. Like she'd say, I'll come up tomorrow morning and help you with pee. And I'd say, no mum, look, you've done that the last four days. Like you have a morning off or grab a coffee with your friend. But she'd arrive up at half seven and a part of me would go, oh, thank, thank God. God, you know. So we were all in it together and around, I suppose, eight weeks after just my family and Jamie's family knowing, I decided that this was so crazy that this happened to me, that there was no breast cancer in my family, that I breastfed like I didn't think it would ever happen to me. Course. Um, no one ever does. No, and, yeah. and you kind of don't think breast cancer is a young woman's disease. So I, I knew so many people had had babies recently and all my friends were in that kind of phase of their life. So I wrote a very short Instagram post just letting people know that this had happened to me because everybody knew but no, people were afraid to contact me because they'd heard it yeah, through the grapevine. Okay. So uh, I said, look, I'm just going to own this. I do have cancer. I'm not ashamed. And I feel like I have an army standing behind me and I'll beat this. So I posted. I was so scared. I was sitting on the floor in my lounge. Um, and there wasn't this Ireland match on, a uh, football match. And I was like, oh, no one's going to see this. Like everyone would be watching the match. The and Jamie said, just post it. I had this post written for weeks. <laughs> So I posted it and I suppose everything changed from there. Really? And then is this when things started picking up then? What, what I find interesting is that how early on I think you seem to be positive about the situation. Like I feel like it'd be very easy to kind of retract into yourself and be negative. But I think from the moment that was it your doctor when he told you that you had cancer, he said it's very treatable. You seem to like pick up straight away. Yeah. How? <laughs> with how the, did with you the support, with the support of people, but also I was determined to learn from it. Um, I felt like it was presenting itself at a time in my life where I needed to look after myself better and there was no other way I was going to listen unless the extreme happened. Um, I felt in many ways that I was a messenger for to warn women under 50 to check their breasts. I, I was lucky enough to have a voice in radio but I struggled every single day. And when I decided to share my story publicly, I wanted to be very real and not be positive all the time because I didn't want people to turn around to their mum who may be sick with breast cancer and say, well, hey, why can't you be like that girl? Yeah. So I did have to share my bad days. You wanted to show the true colors of. Yeah. But I, I, I think for my first step to positivity was to acknowledge that it had happened to me and not push it away. Is that and tough? Yeah, yeah, it was tough because the first thing you do is 
ask why me but then you know what everyone says why not you so um acknowledging that yes this had happened to me yes this is tragic yes this is so unfair because i have a one-year-old but i didn't want to put my energy because i only had a very small amount of energy every day so i knew it was really important for me to put my energy into positivity uh, and not why me it's like that with my hair when i lost my hair I was about to say that when you yeah <laughs> you own that as well <laughs> people were like you know maybe you could hang on to it said i don't want to put my energy into worrying about keeping my hair i want to i'm fretting about it every single day as yeah. it goes and yet this is shit. i have a bald head i'm 32. <laughs> i have no eyebrows and no eyelashes but and it, and it was very hard to look in the mirror and see a cancer that cancer look and but then to so that was very real to see yourself that reflection back so hard yeah as well then to see your young face looking back like no wrinkles like you're a young person um yeah so it, it was very very difficult and i was speaking to someone recently who had cancer and he said to me you gotta dig deep during a cancer diagnosis and when he said that, it brought a tear to my eye because that's what you gotta do. You gotta dig deep, deep to stay positive. But you, you get through it. My husband every day would kind of tell me, look, you just gotta get to next summer. You know, time is going fast. Da, 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 da. And that definitely helped. When Those are the words help. Yeah. And wh when the, the process of getting treated started like what, what was chemotherapy like was yeah is it like, tough to I kind of hoped that chemo wouldn't be as bad as <laughs> the movies so and then I was like maybe I can tell people you know it's not so bad it's, it's actually fine but I was definitely nervous going into the chemo like it felt like I was preparing for a war but I also wanted to fully welcome it into my body so it could do its job so I didn't want to hate it so I just felt like it was really important to just accept that this was for the greater good so the first day I went in you go in for this like chemo chat where they take you through like 50 pages of side effects and you leave and you go I'm screwed <laughs> but that's I, a daunting start yeah they, they have to tell you everything and I remember I said to her when will my hair come back and she said well maybe by August you'll have hair as long as your husband's and this was in <laughs> November and I was describe like describe your husband's hair there very briefly. short okay, very very know. short <laughs> um so I, I'll never forget going into the the first day of chemo and looking around and and being so shocked that it was like a group of people you'd see in a spa, like all ages. Oh, really? Like you don't just go in and everyone's, I suppose I expected everyone to be old. Every, yeah, okay. But everyone is, there was this young guy, I'll never forget him, who's sitting, he had his baseball cap on backwards and he was like typing away on his laptop with his chemo going into his arm. And I was like, whoa. What? What age are you talking? 20s. Oh, really? And then there'd be another guy on a, in a suit on his mobile phone 
and then there'd be... Were you shocked at how normal these were acting while everything was going on? Yeah. Is that what like, Definitely shocked. Um, I kind of thought you'd go into this dark room and you'd be in these like really old armchairs that like are in your granny's house. I feel like I've seen that movie as well. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> You're painting a picture, I feel it. But it, it's not like that. It's like any group of people you see at a bus stop or in a shop or... So uh, the chemo, like it hit me like a ton of bricks and I ended up in hospital for a few days at the start just to get a hold of the sickness and try to find a tablet that worked for me. That was Christmas week, my baby's first Christmas, which just felt cruel, but... Really? Yeah. In a way, I was kind of glad to be in hospital because I was so tired that I knew it was the right place for me to be. Um, and hopefully we, you know, they would have found a tablet that works by the time Christmas Day comes. And? They did. Which was great. Meant to be. Yeah. Everyone loves short breaks, but to really experience a place, you have to get out there. A walk helps you clear your head and truly connect with where you are. Whether you're wandering, rambling or hiking, walking makes your break. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on Lovin.ie, where you'll find inspiration for your next walking break in Ireland. Our walk today takes us around the rugged perimeter of Loch Eski. This is a true hidden gem in County Sligo, with breathtaking views of the harsh, weather-beaten landscape along the northern section of the Wild Atlantic Way. As you ramble through the remote setting, you'll understand why this area was the inspiration for many of W.B. Yeats's poems. It's home to some of the most stunning natural scenery in Ireland. Your trail along the shoreline is an easy walk, and you'll be presented with beautiful views of the Ox Mountains all around you as you complete the loop. Keep an eye out for a scattering of ruins in the valleys. Um, during the whole, like, like during the whole thing, like, how, what's your mindset like when you're thinking of your family and you've a new baby girl? Like, I seen you. I was listening to your podcast and the one with your mother, and you say that, like, when you're thinking of facing death, it's like, will I even make it to my daughter's second birthday? Like, how can you? I don't know. How do you? But what's your thought process when you're thinking of your kids when you're in this situation? Really tough. Like, all, all I think about was my Pia's first day in school and how I, I was the one that wanted to walk her in. Um, and I really didn't want people to say like, why don't you have a mum? I didn't want her to be that kid. Um, so I was so determined to get, to get better and do everything I could and give myself the best chance. And I think that's where the self-care came in and how I transformed my life for the better because I thought, even if I only have three years left on this planet, what I can do now can shape the rest of her life. And I wanted her to be proud of me and say, whoa, look at my mum. She had cancer and never exercised. And then she started running marathons and just things like that. So as time has gone on, I, I think less about death, but definitely when we go to family parties and stuff, I will think about not being there and how someone in my family might say, oh, Georgie, she would have loved this. Like, it's, it's yeah. tough going. That's tough to think of. If, that's constant, if that comes through your head every now and then, that's, yeah. that's very tough. And that's why I suppose counselling has played such a major role in the past year to try not live with that fear. And now I try to 
lean away from fear and lean in more towards joy, which is wellness, which is self-care, which is doing this today, getting out, uh, being surrounded by nature. Yeah, I was wondering what kind of mind management you took up and like coping mechanisms you took up after. So do you think counselling is one of the most important? Absolutely. Really? Counselling really um, gives me the tools to deal with anxiety. I was never really an anxious person before I got sick and I'm highly anxious now. A little bit less since I've gone through the, the chemo, but or the, the counselling. Yeah. But running definitely helps. So I went to the gym, my oncologist said to me, you have to exercise Georgie. She's an American lady, she's really forward thinking. And she's like, I'm putting you on a drug for the next five years, but exercise is as effective as this drug in stopping your cancer coming Really? Back. Yeah. Wow. So how can you deny it? Wow. So I left that day and I went, uh-oh. I have to exercise. <laughs> I have to find something that's going to work for me. So I joined a gym for six weeks or something. Yeah. And I went every day. And I, one day I'd go to a spinning class. One day I'd go to Pilates. Nothing was clicking. And I had this walk scheduled in for the Irish Cancer Society in August. So I hopped up on a treadmill one day and I said, okay, I'm just going to see if I can do 5K walking. Um, but I picked up the pace. What are your energy levels like at this time? Are you still? Yeah, like I'm still kind of needing a nap. Yeah, okay. Um, so this is a big step for you basically. Big this step, is a big yeah. Step. Good luck, yeah. So I started running on this treadmill and before I got sick, a little voice in my head would always say, you're not a runner. <laughs> you haven't eaten enough carbs today. Like, <laughs> Sit you, back you down. don't have energy for this. You've got bad knees. Um, and I just got on this treadmill one, one day and every time a negative thought came into my brain, it was like I was punching it away. Just running through it. Running, yes, I can <laughs> do this. My body has been through chemo, look what I can do. And I kept running and running and running and I was like, Wow, I feel amazing after that. And ever since then, running has, has been such a huge part of my life. It's a way to calm me down. And every Saturday, myself and Jamie do a 5K run. I bought a treadmill <laughs> and I was on my treadmill. I was like, I'm not really getting much out of this. So now I run outdoors. Outdoors. And it's insane, the difference. Really, what do you feel? What? Much freer outside. Uh, my much, I can think much clearer, yeah. way more positivity. Um, and you know, running past people and giving people a wave or seeing just the even beautiful seeing tree. nature, yeah, exactly. Yeah, something as simple as that just makes you Absolutely. feel so grounded and, as you said, clears your head so much, yeah. Even that little story about you on the treadmill there, about the voice inside your head that before was like, no, you can't do it, sit back down, you can't do it. And then you're like, no, you know what I can do is I've got you that. How much has like the experience changed your life? Like oh, even gosh. that little story just shows you something small, but. I think before I was waiting, I was waiting to have a moment where I would reach my full potential or I said, oh, like in five years, I'll be fit or, you know, I, I was just kind of a passenger in my own life. And when I got sick, I 
really wanted to reach my full potential in my mind and in my body. And now that's what I work on every single day because I feel like when you work on yourself, what you put out into the world can change. So before I was very stressed, always working, wrecked, no time for myself. And now what I do every day is I try to fuel my mind and body and I'm putting out a different energy into the world and I'm getting it back. I'm getting back the positivity. I feel like so many good things have happened in my life from this, which is kind of a weird thing. It's strange to say, but it's true. It's a weird gratitude that you have for the cancer. It's also the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it doesn't mean that it has to be the worst thing that ever happened to me every single day. Okay, go for it. Like in 2017 for a year, yes, it made my life hell, but now, I think differently and Sheila Shoga said this on my podcast she says when you get good news after cancer like your scan is clear she said you step out into the world and you see everything differently everything's clearer things taste better you just have this love Gratitude, of life yeah. and Mondays aren't so bad anymore <laughs> you know we just took every, you just take everything for granted when something, something like that hasn't happened to you. And what are you waiting for? Like, it's happening right now. So to get up every day, and I recently left my job in a busy newsroom, and when I was sick, that's all I thought about, that's all I wanted to do again, was go back to work and be normal, in inverted commas. But when I went back there, I realized that I was on this wellness journey and I was getting so much out of life all of a sudden. And then I went back into work and I was surrounded by cancer, murders, stabbings, because that's the nature the news. of news. Yeah. And I thought, I feel like I'm going backwards. So I thanked my job for everything I'd learned and the growth that I had there. Like I learned to interview people in that job but I want to put all my energy into wellness and obviously I have my own podcast and that gives me so much so sometimes you have to get out of your own way and the universe is pushing me towards wellness and self-care yet I was leaning towards fear because I was like no I have to do I have to be in the newsroom yeah. because that's where I've been all my life and that's where you I was before it. I was sick but I need to keep moving forward and I'd learned all I needed to learn there. So I have very supportive bosses. They knew that I was struggling a lot with going back into the workplace, which is so hard for people after cancer to do. I was so supported by my colleagues and I just went in one day and said, I just can't do it. I need more time, I need space. I need to wake up every day and stand in my back garden for 10 minutes and just take it all in and they were like we were wondering when you were gonna really do it. they could they could see it as well yeah i i changed so much um i i'm kind of stepping away from news and i'd rather listen to a podcast now because i think even podcasts are a form of self-care because you're taking time for yourself 
you're in the moment, like mindful moments. You're just, you're not scrolling or you're not yeah. on your phone. You're not listening to. You chose to listen, so you're going to listen yeah, to this. And you can learn so much from them. So yeah, I've stepped away from the news and who knows, maybe I'll go back to it in a couple of years, but it's just not the right time for me now right to now. be there. And that's okay, and it's brave to do that, to go in and actually have to say, look, I'm leaving, because it's not for me right now. Not everyone does that, so. When I did it, I came out and I walked down Grafton Street and I wondered who the hell, first of all, that I thought I was. I was like, didn't recognize myself. <laughs> who, I've just quit the job that I've been in for 12 years. Like, who am I? <laughs> who is this person? But I took the plunge and please God, it pays off. It will definitely pay off. Today's walk is situated on the Wild Atlantic Way. Make lasting memories on this unforgettable coastal touring route and enjoy breathtaking scenery. To plan your short break on the Wild Atlantic Way, head to the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on loveon.ie. All along the walk so far, we've enjoyed stunning 360 views of the Ox Mountains, which lie along the border between Sligo and Mayo. The highest point in the Ox Range is Nokalongi, rising to 1,785 feet. Much of the upland areas are covered in blanket bog and heather beds, and as you walk, you'll develop an appreciation for the vegetation that has had to compete for survival in this wild setting. Rivers and lakes are everywhere here, with Loch Eiske itself at the heart of this landscape. One thing I want to touch on, you just kind of touched on a minute ago, was like your values and your worries before and after. Like, how much have they changed? I think, I think so much, and I, I think about intention a lot now. So with uh, my podcast, say it reached a million views congratulations er, thank for you that. um and that was a great day for me and people keep saying it to me oh my god that's great it reached a million but my intent that was not my intention so that's why it happened my intention was to help people because when i went back to work i felt really lucky that i shared my story and i got messages every day from people telling me this happened to me and i went on to have kids and all of these good stories. And I said, what about the people who don't tell their story and don't get any messages like this? And maybe I should start a podcast. This is where the podcast came from? This, this is the idea. This is where it came from, yeah. So maybe I can start this so people can listen and go, whoa, that person went through a bad time. I'm going through a bad time. There is light at the end of the tunnel, so. And there's other people that are going through bad times that need to hear this. Yes. So I want to help them. So you, as you said, your intention wasn't going in going, I need to get a million plays yeah. on this. It was, I want to help people. And that was the, the opposite side, where before you probably would have been looking for the views or the reach. Yeah, because before I lived my life looking for results. Yeah. Um, you know, how much money am I on? What's my job title? Am I progressing in my career? Whereas now I'm putting all my energy into mind, body and my family and things are happening for me, which is so weird. Like I still wake up some mornings and don't recognize my life in a good way in a really good in a way. great way also in a sad way sometimes really yeah like I I've definitely grieved for my old life for like we, we've known each other for oh, years. a few years yeah. <laughs> like we used to all go out and have the crack and I always felt like I was in the thick of it um, yes. <laughs> and I miss those days like but I don't get the same sort of feeling if I go out now like that's just I suppose I've taken a sidestep and I, that doesn't make me happy anymore you know going out every week like obviously I go out and have fun but it's not the same but like 
that's life, isn't it, in general? Like, yeah, that's just growing up. That's just probably. growing up, yeah. But I, I understand what you mean. He's, he's talking a lot about like losing your innocence as well. And you got it. What, what do you mean by that? Like, I suppose it's before I would have gone on holidays with my family and just looked forward to it. But now I worry. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> a few sheep around the place saying hello to us as we come up to the rooms here. Um, I, I definitely worry about things going wrong a lot and, you know, going on holidays will anything happen to Pia. Um, so that's definitely something I have to try to manage. But then on the flip side of that, it also makes you appreciate those moments a lot more where you would have just, as you said, <laughs> you would have just kind of been sailing through life, not really taking in a moment and saying like how beautiful is this like you said you walked outside and you're just looking at a tree and it's like this is amazing yeah so you would have neglected that before so. absolutely because i was always just like running around like i always say that my life before cancer was flat to the mat and it was there was never anything left in the tank for me that's fab isn't yeah it's it? cool it's actually an unbelievable view here back across the lake so we're in the middle of rooms here georgie there's a mid-century one here just in front of us in the lake behind it the kind of stones that we pass were Mesolithic runes, and then we are going to continue on walking up this way to famine runes. It's so, so a, beautiful. I would advise everyone to come here for it. Yeah, with you, Alar. Will you be here? Every, I'll, every yeah, time? I'll take everyone on a tour, a little okay, tour, great. Every time, with my vast knowledge of the area. <laughs> no, it's absolutely stunning, and the views are just unbelievable so across the lake. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on was your kind of influence on social media. Um, you said you posted that picture kind of breaking the news. Did it kick off from there? Yeah, I went on to Today FM to tell my story later that week. My friend Susan Kyo was working on the Matt Cooper show and she said, like, would you come in? Obviously, I was petrified, but I went in and just explained everything that had happened. And from there, I started to hear from cancer survivors which I kind of didn't expect to happen so I'd get a message from someone saying you know that happened to me 10 years ago or you know I'm in the middle of chemo you can do it that's lovely which was amazing yeah. it was very uplifting and my friend Darren Garrahy um one day well one day the day before chemo I went on and to my Instagram stories and just said like I'm starting chemo tomorrow and I'm determined to stay positive. And Darren, who I'd sat beside for the, you know, the previous yeah. year, went on to her Instagram and said, you know, my friend Georgie is going through this really tough time, but she's sharing her story and follow her if you want to, you know, keep up with her. And I woke up to 10,000 followers the next day. Shut up. Yeah. Talk about influence, oh the <laughs> um, And I was like, oh my, what am I, what's my next story gonna be? <laughs> Fretting over it. Did you feel under pressure then to start? I, I just felt like it was an amazing thing that happened because I went into my first day of chemo with about 500 messages saying good luck. And I felt like everyone was behind me, but that was the week that I ended up <laughs> in hospital. And I popped on. It was about a Watch your step five out. days later and just thanked people. Really? And I know I was so nervous. My friend Audrey was like, just pop on. You know, I, I didn't want to go on every day or share every minute of it. And I, obviously I didn't go on 
camera um, in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I just pop on every Sunday and just share something that had happened to me that week, whether it was an observation from the chemotherapy ward. Like one week it was, I go in there and everyone's so happy. Like no one's crying. And there's actually a bit of crack going on. And it just goes to show that people with cancer just want to live their lives and they're still the same person. So that would be one or the next week I'd come on and be like, this is my wig. I hate it. <laughs> um, but it, it just kind of grew from there. And then obviously my message was to check yourself. And shortly afterwards, I got a message from a girl who just had a baby and she said, Georgia, it never dawned on me to check up my breasts until you got sick. And I did, and I found a lump, and I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. And the following day, her husband sent me a bunch of flowers with a letter. No way. To say thank you, because I shared my story. She found her cancer early, um, and that's what it was all about. So that for you was the influence that you wanted to have through your social media? Yeah. Is to help people as much as possible. Yeah, it's the, I just checked my breasts. Um, today I got a smear test for the first time on 34 because of you. Or it's that the sort of influence that I wanted to have, not, and no disrespect to people. Everyone has a different yeah, journey and some people influence people in their fashion. and. But my, I wanted to influence people to stop and think of themselves, especially young mums who often feature last on their to-do list. And after you have a baby, everything's about that baby, but to stop and go to the GP and just check in with yourself and say, hold on, am I okay? Um, actually, I need to go to the gym. Like we're really good at letting our husbands go off and, and exercise, but what about us? So I just decided to use my voice to try remind people of that. And even that one lady who found the lump, like all your efforts on social media is worth it even that, for that one lady yeah. to find that lump early. And I've never said it publicly because that's not like that. It's not about people to go, oh my God, George, you're crazy, amazing. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But the genuine help of people. Yeah, that, that's what it's about for me. It's, the selfless help. Yeah, and, and I think when you put out energy like that into the world, you just get it back. And the people who have helped me, all I want to do is help the next group of people coming up with breast cancer. Whoever needs it. And to know that your life isn't over. Yes, this is going to be a really tough couple of years, but you can feel happy again. Where, where are you now in terms of cancer? Um, like, have you got all clear, clear, or are you... Yeah, so... My, I was lucky my cancer was removed before my treatment. So my treatment was kind of preventative. So if a little tiny cancer cell escaped somewhere else in my body, that the chemo would kill that and the radio would give me a good chance of it not coming back. So when I went for my scans last November, which was a year yeah. since my surgeries, they were all clear. And I went into my oncologist or my surgeon actually, and he said, congratulations, you know, you're one year cancer free. They don't really like to use that term um, because you can't say for sure that you're cancer free. None of us can, okay. but 
I had a year under my belt at that point, which was a surprise to me because <laughs> I didn't know when it's the time started. Yeah. So if I can get to this November and get another clear scan with my particular type of cancer, which was triple negative, um, the chances of it coming back drop significantly. So I'm on a mission to get to November. I suppose I just take it in stages, but so far I feel I feel like there is no cancer in my body. I feel very well, um, and I'm very in tune with my body now. And I work every day to eat really good food, to exercise, and give myself the best chance. And enjoy life as you have been doing. What are the moments that, like especially now after such a huge moment in your life, that you just look at and are so grateful for? I think when I'm just hanging out with Jamie and Pia, like our hikes on a Sunday, um, having my family and Jamie's family up for dinner, it's all the family stuff. Um, like when you get told you've got cancer, you're not thinking about your last promotion, you think about them. And I, and I, when I first got sick, I was going into my second round of chemo with the one that I was going to lose my hair in. And um, I did an Instagram story that people sometimes still talk to me about. But it was that bit, you know, in January when you're about to go back to work, like the second or third. Yeah. And everyone's giving out crap. Oh my God, I have to go back to work. I'm, you know, had a great Christmas, but I'm wrecked. And that was... I was going in that Thursday for my second round of chemo. I was going to shave my head that day. And I just said, guys, I'd love to be getting up what tomorrow and going in and just grabbing a coffee and like strolling into work. So you're just more grateful for even the simple things in life now. Yeah, like I'm, I'm great. I still, of course, I've gone back to normal in ways that I have first world problems again, <laughs> but it's definitely a different outlook and to just see the world as a beautiful place where I want to live to my full potential. It's lovely. and I'm glad that you have taken this on and had such a positive outlook on it. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Georgie. Oh, it's it's a been pleasure. an absolute pleasure. Let's continue on and finish off our walk. It's yeah. so gorgeous. I've just loved every second of it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Georgie. From here, myself and Georgie continued on around the loop until we arrived back at the car park. You'll likely spot a few fishermen as you go. The lake drains into the Eski River, which is a home to an abundance of brown trout and salmon, with the name Eski literally meaning abounding in fish. Make it a point to get out and enjoy a walk in the stunning surrounds of County Sligo on your next short break. The Tales and Trails Hub, in partnership with Discover Ireland, is a bounty of information on the best walks all around the country for your next short break. From the spectacular Wild Atlantic Way to the serene beauty of Ireland's hidden Harlands, the epic Ireland's ancient east or the surprises of Dublin, you're sure to find a walking break to suit you and your family. Just the break you're looking for. Make sure to share your trail photos using the hashtag LoveandTalesAndTrails. It's always important to be respectful of the wildlife and surrounding environment, so make sure to leave the trail as you found it. Visit leavenotraceireland.org for more information. Tales and Trails podcast is in partnership with Discover Ireland. Learn more about exploring the best walks of Ireland's wild Atlantic way at loven.ie forward slash tales and trails. Walking makes your break.